It's a frustrating past week, maddening to a degree over the fact that the genocidal claims of South Africa were actually brought in front of the International Court of Justice. But in a way, it answered a longstanding question that many have asked on a Rashi in this week's Parsha. When Moshe comes before Paro to introduce the 10th and final plague, he tells him when it's going to happen. And he says it's going to happen kachatsos halayla which literally would translate into uh, around, near Chatzos at night. Hashem is going to come and he's going to strike down all of the firstborns. And he just gives a whole list of the firstborns from the throne of Paro down to the servants, down to the captives in the dungeon. They're all going to die around, around Chatzos. And it's odd, Rashi already notes, the Gemara notes, not only is, Hash, is Moshe now speaking on behalf of Hashem, who when Hashem himself tells Moshe he's going to do it, says it will be at exactly Chatzos, which is of course what happens. So why is Moshe putting it in this vague term? And the Gemara answers, as Rashi quotes, that Moshe was concerned. Moshe was concerned that the Atzdanine Paro, the astrologers and servants in Paro's court, didn't have... Uh, atomic clocks the way we do that give us an exact time. They didn't know exactly when it was going to be Chatzos. And Moshe was concerned that if in their calculations they were off by a few minutes and it happened at 11.56 or 12.03, they would say, aha, I knew it. Moshe, this is Rashi's language, Badai, who he's a charlatan, he's a quack. This whole thing has been a farce. We knew it wasn't real. Look, you said it was going to happen at Chatzos, and it didn't. It was off. This is an astounding comment. It's an astounding comment because the Mitzvah have been through an entire year of plagues by this point. And the entire purpose, as the Psukim describe over and over again, was to prove, Ki hani Hashem Ki la Hashem this is my land, this is my world, you're going to see, I'm going to distinguish between the Egyptian and the Jew, I'm going to tell you when it's going to start, I'm going to tell you when it's going to end. A whole year of miracles. And then at the very end, the plague of Makos Bechors happens, and there are dead firstborns everywhere, exactly like it was predicted. Just that it happened, according to their calculation, at 12.03, 11.56, a few minutes off, and they're going to say, Moshe's a charlatan? It doesn't make any sense. And then you realize, when you look in the world around us, there is a mida, there is a trait, in which you can take an entire body of evidence, years worth of evidence, and you can pick up instead on a single thread and decide that this little thread outweighs all of the evidence that I have. So when you talk about the Israeli army, for example, which is an army more on a moral, higher moral plane than any army in the history of the world that has made 79,000 live phone calls to civilians warning them of danger. They've dropped over 7 million leaflets. 13.7 million texts have been sent. Over 15 million recorded phone calls. That's the army that you're claiming is genocidal? An army that we all know, if they wanted to wipe out Gaza, would have done so in two, three days. The whole place would be flat and there'd be nothing to talk about. But they're picking up on, listen, no army is perfect. No army is, by definition, they're picking up on, on this or on that to bring a claim to on an international court of justice, to, to ignore a whole body of evidence and to pick up a third. That's, that's the meat of Mitzrayim.
It's a midim mitzrayim that Moshe was aware of and that has plagued us, if you pardon the pun, throughout our history. This midah of being able to pick up on one thing that's wrong, one thing that's off, and with that, disregard all the other evidence to the contrary and say, like the Egyptians were going to say, Moshe's a charlatan. Now, we would say that, oh, yeah, that's the nations of the world. That's South Africa's claim. But the reality is this is an important lesson because it applies to each and every one of us. Who amongst us has never had an experience with a school or with a shul or with an organization in which they might have contributed years of positive elements, growth to ourselves or to our families, and then they do one thing wrong? wrong, not just our impression. They did something wrong. They made a mistake. And we pick up on that thread and we say, oh, that defines them. And we throw everything out. We leave, we abandon, we disregard because they made a mistake. They did something wrong. What happened to all the other evidence? What happened to all the other experiences? It's a meat of Mitzrayim to say, Moshe is a charlatan because he was off on this one thing and ignore everything Else. It exists in the world, for sure. We're seeing it play itself out in front of us in the news. But we have to make sure that it doesn't apply to us with a restaurant, with a caterer. There's so many instances in which we have so many interactions with someone or something and can't allow one bonafide negative experience to define that relationship. So what's the antidote for this? So it's also found in a very beautiful, found in a beautiful way in our parsha, the very first mitzvah that's given to the Jewish people as a nation. We have individual mitzvahs given in Sefer Brachis, but the very first mitzvah as a whole is in this week's parsha, Hachodesh Hazel Lachem. Hashem gives Moshe and Aharon the mitzvah of Kiddush Hachodesh of sanctifying the new moon, establishing Rosh Chodesh. And it's an odd thing that that's the very first mitzvah chosen. I'm sure if you would ask a thousand Jews, you know, give me the top three mitzvahs that should have been in our minds, the first ones chosen, we would have lots of choices and I believe no one would have come up with this one that Hashem does and says, this is the first one you need to know. This technical formality of establishing, it's important. There's no question it's important. And many commentators point out about the significance of the value of time, how a slave nation needs to hear about time, to value their time, to take advantage of their time. But why is this the very first mitzvah that's chosen? It's a very beautiful idea expressed from Rav Nassan of Breslov, who was the principal Talmud, the student of Rav Nachman of Breslov. And he expresses that, you know, the moon is at, is at its peak, its brightest, fullest on the 15th of the month, which is, of course, the beginning of Pesach, the beginning of Sukkot. And then from the 15th on, the moon gets smaller and smaller as it wanes until the very end of the month, it literally disappears. The Gemara talks about there's a few hours at the end of each month where it's actually invisible. You can't see it. It's not there at all. And it's at that moment that two Jewish witnesses go out and they peer up to the sky in the darkness, the choshech, without a single shred of moonlight out there. And they look up, they find, there it is. That's the sliver of light amongst all the darkness. There it is. And they go to Yerushalayim and testify. We saw that sliver of light and the entire nation declares, Mekudosh, Mekudosh, it's sanctified. That trait of a Jew in the midst of the choshech of the darkness of Mitzrayim, the choshech of dark Jewish history, to be able to find that sliver of light and not focus on all that darkness that surrounds it, that sliver of light, that's the trait, that's the first mitzvah the Jewish people are given. That is the opposite midah of the midah of Mitzrayim, 
to take a whole body of work and pick out the one thread that went wrong, to find a sliver of light amidst all the darkness. That is our very first mitzvah. And it applies also in so many ways in our own daily lives. There's a beautiful minhag. There's a beautiful minhag that uh, when a new family welcomes, when a family welcomes a new child, that many women will light an extra candle as the new child is welcomed into the family on Shabbos. There's also a minhag, as Mishra Brewer mentions, that when the father makes Kiddush, he should look at the Shabbos candles before making Kiddush. What, why, why the candle, the Shabbos candle for, the, for these ideas? Rav Avram Torsky, Zechron of Racha, writes very beautifully. I heard this from a good co- friend, a uh, colleague of mine, uh, Rabbi Hudaman in Toronto, expresses that, you know, children, there's a phrase the, the Gemara uses, Tsar Gidul Banim. It's, it's difficult raising children and there are greatest blessings, but there's sometimes also the greatest sources of stress. There's certainly a financial stress. Uh, there's an emotional stress. There's worry. There, it's difficult. It's very difficult. And some weeks are harder than others. And sometimes we come to the end of the week, that Shabbos, and, and, and before reflecting in a negative way, we get to look at these candles, that flame, the additional flame, and remember to see the light, to see the blessing, to see the additional light in the home that our blessings have created, that it shouldn't be as we make Kiddush, it's, oh, what a hard week this was. No, it was, I have so many blessings and I want to see the blessings. I want to see the goodness. I want to see through the challenges. Sometimes some of our greatest blessings or our greatest challenges, I should say, are brought out from our greatest blessings, but to see them as blessings, to see them what for they really are. And so we light an extra candle to symbolize this idea of finding the light in the darkness. And before you make Kiddush, you look at those candles. You look around your table and appreciate once a week. Make sure at least once a week. It shouldn't go without stopping and taking a deep breath and saying, what a blessing. I have so many blessings. Challenges, yes. So many blessings. I want to see the light. I don't want to have a mid of Mitzrayim in which I see problems, in which I see things that are wrong. I see things that are off. I want to see the goodness. I want to see the big picture and make sure that I see it for what it is. And even if it's a sliver of light amongst the sea of darkness, I want to see that too. That is the midah in the same parsha. these two midahs together. May we always be blessed to see the sliver of light and see all of those lights shining bright amidst the darkness and catch ourselves Anytime we find ourselves sinking into that mid of Mitzrayim of just picking up on the one negative and remember to be Mekadesh HaSachodesh, to sanctify the new moon and to always find that sliver of light.